One of the reasons we're doing a lot of these testimonies um, is that we're, we're trying to do an emphasis just for about four weeks on outward, on mission, on, on God sending us out into the world, his, his, his affection for the world that he's made. And we as the family of God looking outward, it, great illustration that Tim gave us as we breathe in, but we have to breathe out. If we never leave that breath out, we're going to be in trouble. Um, and so that's the, that's the life of following Jesus as we breathe him in and then we get to breathe him out to others. And so what I'm going to talk about today is really, really simple uh, with regard to mission is how is Jesus believable to a world that by and large either doesn't know about him or has already rejected him? How is Jesus believable? It's kind of a strange story, right? That this, that God becomes a person and gives his life away so that our sins can be forgiven and we can be brought back in relationship with God and that that's something future even though we have we experiences of it now but we still experience difficulty. Um, how is that believable? And so I'm just going to look at a simple text that's familiar hopefully to us all, John 17 verses 20 through 23. And the context of this passage is really important. Um, have you ever thought about what you might say on your deathbed? I mean, probably won't be, you know, did, did you turn the coffee pot off? I'm afraid the house is going to burn down. You know, it, it, you know it's, it's probably not going to be, you know, you hear the, I wish I would have gotten farther in my career. I wish I'd have worked just a few more hours, you know. You know, it, if you've ever really thought about it, it's a, it's a good exercise, um, and Jesus, in John 14 through 17, these are his last words before he goes to his death. In John 17, it's his last prayer before he dies. So could it be that Jesus was, was focused at this time, right? Jesus was intentional. Jesus was expressing something he was really interested in. And so, Jesus, we ask that, you know, we, that we would enter into your prayer, that we know that sound travels, and it's still traveling in this expanding universe, and that these very words that you uttered out of your mouth in the Garden of Gethsemane 2,000 years ago are still live today, and that the power that you invoked as you asked the Father what to do, as you prayed for your disciples, is live in this moment. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come and demonstrate your presence and power that our faith might rest on God and not on people. Amen. So Jesus, the first part of John 17, he prays for his disciples who are immediately around him. And he has these beautiful prayers about that he's shared the Father's words with him. They've accepted him. He's prayed protection over them. He's, he's, he's given them his word. And then Jesus prays this. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? Jesus praying for us. We have record proof that Jesus prayed for us. 
And so Jesus prayed for us, said this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, in you, in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus gives us a strategy right away. He said that there is, there is a way that the world may believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is telling us with certainty it's possible for people to know he's the dude. That he is who he says he is. And what, what, what's the way? Somebody tell me. It's right here in the text. Yeah, that we may be one. He says it twice, that all of them may be one, they may be one as the Father and Son are one. Okay, so how is Jesus believable? When we are one with each other. This really is a long promotion of Lauren Lindsay's class. But the question is, how are we one with each other? If you've been in church at all, you've heard this before. We just got to be one with each other. And if you've been in church long enough, this is a means for great despair. Because it just, because you can kind of unconsciously think, oh no. Well, I don't really want to (laughs) be. And I've tried. And it's too hard. And no fun. Well, Jesus shows us how can we be one? He says we're going to be one as the Father's in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. May they also be in us. And Jesus says it. They may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so they can be in unity. So very simply put, we're one with each other when we are one with the Father and Son. We can be one with each other when we are one with the Father Father and Son. Okay? Keep on going. So how do we do that? We've got to get to where we can actually take actions. Okay? So that's where I'm driving down to. So how do we become one with the Father and Son? We'll go back to the text. Jesus said this way, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. So, how is Jesus believable? When we're one with each other. How are we one with each other? Be one with Father and Son. How are we one with Father and Son? It's through the glory that Jesus gives us. Now, if you're like me, you might be scratching your head right about now. Great, thanks, Jesus. Not helpful. What does that mean? Um... And here's what it means. Now, I decided to do this. I have a vegetarian and then a meatitarian version of this sermon. So this is the vegetarian version, right, on the front. 
And I have no problems with vegetarians, by the way. I, I, I think it's good for us. But, but the, so this part's going to be easy on the digestive system and, you know, give you some energy quick. The other's going to be a little more chewing. So vegetarian version here is this. How are we one with the Father and Son? The glory that Jesus gives us is the Holy Spirit and our love for one another. It's the Holy Spirit himself and our love for one another. Now, if you're like me, that's not good enough. I want to know how you got there. But some of you don't care how I got there, and I'm okay with that too. One of you is my wife. She just said, hey, there's a lot going on in the service. You're going to be short, right? So she's advocating for you guys all the time. <laughs> I have the perfect wife for my job. I, I, I have no negative flesh ego reinforcement happening at my house. She was like, I'm going to come on my, wasn't I amazing? She's like, what? I lost it about halfway through, man. You just, I was doing the grocery list. I was like, uh, okay, I'll go do something else. But if you want to know here that, that the whole deal is this, is how's Jesus believable one with each other? How's it happen? Through unity with the Father and Son, by the Holy Spirit, love for one another. So the point of this whole message, if you want to know it now, is we need to receive the Spirit and love one another. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. But I already have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, receive the Holy Spirit. There, there's these degrees of control we can relinquish to the Holy Spirit. There's, we see it in Acts where the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes on in Acts 2, and then they're desperate for help in Acts 4, and he comes on him again and shakes the building. They're like, oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need something more than ourselves to be able to then take the act to love one another. The best way to love one another is to do it. Just to do it. And fail forward as the Holy Spirit gives us help. Okay, veggie version. You can start making your clothes, your, your, you know, your list uh, for groceries if you want. But this next little thing I want to go through is, is how do we get to this idea that the glory that Jesus gives us is the Holy Spirit himself and love for one another. And so this, this will take a little chewing. And I'm going to go, I've, I've tried to condense it, but it's like eating a steak fast, okay? Which is not always the best idea, right? You know, I mean, there's, if anyone needs a Heimlich maneuver somewhere in here, raise your hand. You're moving too fast, okay? So we've got to start with the Trinity. Now here's, here's the deal. Jesus prays in John 17. His whole train of thought starts at John 14, okay? So there's... 14, 15, and 16, he's leading up into 17. So you really can't understand 17 without reading those. And 14, 15, and 16 are some of the most beautiful and dense explanations of what the Trinity is. And so to be able to really understand both the how and the why of us being one another, both the how and the why, we've got to look at God and his being. God is Trinity. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And this isn't just like a philosophical word game puzzle. This is such a big deal um, that, that if we don't understand this, we actually could end up worshiping a God that's not real. It's a really, really, really big deal. And so you're like, well, I can't understand this. Me neither. But the joy is to try to get up Mount Everest and then go, I just saw a little bit more. I just saw a little bit more. 
And, and like it, it, Michael Reeves is a brilliant theologian who wrote Delighting in the Trinity. He said, if you ever get bored with God, it means you're looking at the wrong one. Father, Son, and Spirit. So it, God is three persons, fully persons, thinking, able to do things, persons. Each person's fully God, and there is one God. What is that about? Like, that defies all our categories, doesn't it? It defies our, it, one great explanation, just, and it's impossible. Every model to explain the Trinity is wrong. They're all wrong, okay? They're all a little right and wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like I, I heard there was a, or was it Dr. Lamp that said, at least 4% of what I'm telling you today is wrong. I just don't know which 4% it is. That's, that's a really healthy perspective. That's the way, we're, we're just all kind of stumbling forward on this. But here's what we notice in, in just, if you just look at the book of John, how does this happen? It's that the Father, Son, and Spirit are one in substance. They share the same divine substance. Whatever that means, none of us knows. But it, it looks like we, that the Son is in the Father. The Father is in the Son, whatever that means. And that the Spirit is eternally proceeding from the Father. And then we see that the Father, and they're in union in their will. So not just the stuff that they are, but their decisions. Think about it. If each is a person, they're constantly thinking and choosing. But there's this thinking and choosing that is in constant union. So we see that the Father is giving to the Son, glorifying the Son, that He loves the Son, and that the Son reveals the Father, glorifies the Father, loves and obeys the Father. And then we see as the text goes on that the Spirit Himself is the personification of the love between Father and Son. So that the Holy, the, 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 the Trinity is this constant movement of one loving and deciding for the other, one loving and surrendering to the other in constant union all the time. It's this unbelievable fire in movement that's constantly going, that's in the person of God so that he needs no one else. He's got all that's needed for love to exist in community. So God is three persons. He's fully God. There's one God. How? One is he sh- that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same substance. But the other is that they have the same will. And that will is love. 1 John 4, 8 says it this way. God is love. Not love is God. Not, the, not an abstract concept is God. It's, no, God is this activity at all times within his being saying, I love you, I serve you, I give to you. And, and the Spirit's going, hey, you know what he said? Yeah, you know, just Spirit's going back between Father and Son. And it's unifying that, that the Spirit, one theologian, is the flame of love in the being of God himself. He's not loving, he's love. And so here's the crazy thing, that Father, Son, and Spirit decide to make creation, not because they need it. See, for love to exist, there has to be community. The only way God can be loving is to be Trinity. Allah, one. And what's fascinating about it is that, God, that, that the Quran would say, Allah is both loving and deceitful. That love's 
and evil both come from God. Why, you can't, you get into a, what's it, a dead end if God isn't Trinity. Because the only way a singular, non-Trinitarian God can love is he needs the world. God doesn't need anything. But Father, Son, and Spirit say in Genesis, let's do this. Let's create something. And so the Father, I like to think, imagine the Father takes this big breath called the Spirit. He pushes out of his lungs. He doesn't have lungs, but we're just saying it. The Word, which is Jesus, and the Spirit hovers over these waters. In Genesis 1. And then we say, why is creation happening? It says, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we see this crowning moment of all of God's creation where, where a great explanation of this is that you can see just the way the whole narrative goes is that God considers all of creation, the whole earth, his temple. And he puts in his temple images of himself. This is why God doesn't want any idols. Why? Because we're the image of God. Nothing else goes there. We're the image of God. And so human purpose is to be the image of God on earth, that God in, in, in his fruitfulness, in, in, in this abundant, superabundance of love, where that he's just brimming with life in love, says, let's create something and let's reproduce on this earth our image. And how does that happen? How does the image of God show up in humanity? Well, just like God, it first happens in substance. He says, like God, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We could see this hint of the Trinity there. And then male and female, he created them. Did you know that one gender is not enough to reflect the image of God? That's the proof of it right here. He said, here's the image of God, male and female, he created them. But here's even more crazy stuff. Think about this. So father and son are in one another. But then there's this third, that there's this fruitfulness. But God's created that in very family that a male and female can actually become literally one in another person. That out of their love, their will of love, in substance, there is Trinity, this one family. So in this family idea, God has embedded his very image. Just so you know what I'm like. So I can image forth what it looks like. But not only in substance, but then God in our will says, let's be one and let's you guys be one together in our will. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Choose to be like me. Choose to be fruitful. Fill the earth and subdue it and then rule over the earth. Well, God is love. He's saying, love the earth. Imitate me. Act. So, just like the Father, human purpose, image of God in the earth. How? Through substance and through will. Decisions. Acting. So, we know the story of humanity. Our human will got a little janky. He said, I'd rather not be fruitful and multiply. I'd rather not the rule the earth benevolently. I'd rather rule my brother by killing him. 
And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. We are in trouble. But skipping ahead all the way to Jesus. I'm skipping a ton. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> this is the only time I get away with any of this. I'm going to pay for it later, but... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus has a mission. And the mission is, we see in Romans 8, 29, I love the message translation, that God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape, the original creation intended shape of our lives there in Jesus. So we see that Jesus' mission is to restore the image of God in humanity. To restore the image of God. There's a lot that goes into that. This isn't the only thing that Jesus is doing. But why are we having our sins forgiven? Because there's no sin in God. And he made us as the image of God. There's no twisting in, in, of good in God. It's all good. And so he's trying to untwist us through forgiving our sins, through restoring relationship with us. So Jesus' mission is to restore the image of God in humanity. How in the world is he going to do that? The first is to become the restored image himself. So we see what Jesus does. He's restored in substance. Here's the crazy thing. Father sends the Holy Spirit to a person and in that person unites himself to humanity. This is why, you know, some, some traditions, you know, make a big deal out of Mary. She is a big deal. She is the door in to God saving the universe. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Enough said. So what happens is in substance, in actual substance, Jesus, the Son, becomes united with humanity through Mary. It says that the Word, the Word that spoke the world into existence became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Ah, glory. What's that? There's something about the being of Jesus actually in human form, in human skin, that's just shining, that's just overwhelming and beautiful. So much so that later Paul says that the Son is the image of the invisible God. That that this, this religion, Judaism, that's never been allowed to create an image because Humanity is the image, yet humanity is broken. Is there any image of God? Can we see God? Yes, here's Jesus. He's become the restored image of God, the original intended shape of humanity in his very substance. And not only that, we see Jesus one with God in his will. This is a beautiful thing that when Jesus is baptized, he gets up out of the water, heaven's open, 
And the Spirit of God descends like a dove and alights on him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. A couple things of many happen here. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. So not only is he in substance one with God, he's been given help with his will to do this. So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commands me. Imagine this here. The Holy Spirit, who is himself the flame of love, it comes as a dove. In the Song of Songs, we see that dove is my beloved. And this dove, this beloved dove, comes that love himself, and the Father can't help himself but say, this is my son, I love him. He's awesome. Listen to him. And Jesus says, because I love you, because I know how the Trinity works. I'm going to do everything you say because I love, I love submitting to you because submitting to you is a way I love you. And the Holy Spirit's right there saying, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, Jesus. Why does Jesus need help? Because Jesus is not a superhero. Jesus, Philippians 2, said, limited all of his substantive powers, all of that stuff, so that he would live a life just like you and me. He said, I'm, I'm going to put that on the back burner so jesus becomes the restored image he does that through substance and will which is the will to love so then jesus missions restore the image of god in humanity how first become the restored image and second to bestow the restored image so how's that work jesus said to his disciples, and this is just in John 14, just a little bit before he prays for us to be one. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father you are in me and I'm in you. And imagine this is, I, these are bad pictures, I know, but, but imagine Father and Son have literally invited us into the Trinity. This is what's happening. The Spirit, who is the love between Father and Son, literally comes and lives in us. Do you realize how overwhelming this is? This is crazy that the one who needed nothing else is existing, fully loved, this flame of love, this furnace of charity, has said, not only do I want to forgive you for turning your will against me, I want to, I want to invite you in to me. How? By the Holy Spirit, the substance and then he says, here's how to be one with me, is through your will. I'm going to give you my substance, myself, and then this, this is what it looks like to participate in the love of the Trinity. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Pause. Do you know that the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Look at John 17, 23 and 26. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. John 17, 23, and 26. If you don't see it here, you'll see it there. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, 
you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and ran his love. Jesus said, I already did this. I, I became the image of a God in humanity, and here's how I did it. The Holy Spirit, and then I did this love thing. I love like my Father did. So you do the same thing. He says, here's my command. I got a real simple command. Love each other the same way I have loved you. That same Trinitarian love, that same unending, self-sacrificing, self-giving love that I'm putting on you in substance, I'm saying you do that and we'll be one in will. So, here's the little summary. God is Trinity. He's three persons, fully God, one God. How in the world is he three, three persons and one God? Through substance in the will, which is love. Humanity is created in the image of God. Two plus persons. Doesn't have to be just a three person family. Be the image of God. Diverse and equal. One family. How? Through substance and the will to love. Jesus is the image of God. How? Is the, is the union of Trinity and humanity in one person. How's that happen? Through substance, the Holy Spirit and his will to love. And then we are the image of God. We become the image of God on the earth. Through union of the Trinity in humanity in one family. Us being taken up into the union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Through substance and the will to love. If you're choking on the stake, I know I'm moving fast. But, but this, this was just blowing me away. So I'm just going to work on this and just dump it on them. Um, so... How is Jesus believable when we're one with each other? How are we one with each other? Be one with the Father and the Son. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's, it's through the glory of Jesus, which is oneness with God and each other in substance and will. And that substance is the Holy Spirit, and our will is to love one another. Guys, this is a big deal. This was the last thing Jesus was praying about before he died. This is the thing that Jesus said was absolutely certain that would be clear that Jesus is shown to be the Son of God. Why? Well, the implications are this. Jesus is believable when the image of God is seen on the earth. So what Jesus is saying is, I want the world to see who I am, so love each other. In the power of the Spirit. Otherwise, here's the downside. They won't see the image of God. Can you realize the weight on this? The weight on this is people don't see the image of God if we're not one with one another. The image of God is seen when his family is one. Here's an important thing. Individuals on their own cannot represent the restored image of God. What does that mean? Now, don't get confused if you're in a single household. This isn't about that. It's not about having children. It's about the household of God, which that our new DNA that makes us common family is the Holy Spirit. So you can be a complete household with a single household. Absolutely. But... A family with 32 kids is still not the image of God outside of the family of God. Does that make sense? Okay. And if anyone has 32 kids and I just offended you, please forgive me. I want to meet you after this service, please. 
this is the grizzled old people are so tired, you know. You know. But the challenge in our world, like I've been reading this history of American Christianity, of, the, of what went on in American Christianity from 1780 to 1830. Yes, it's a, a weird thing to think of, but I, I, it's fascinating that a lot of guys at that time said something we used to hear. You know what I'm going to do is just me and my Bible. I'm going to shut myself in a room, and I'm going to know what's really true. And guess what produced out of that? Unitarianism and Mormonism. We don't do that good by ourselves. <laughs> it could seem really true, <laughs> but we've got to have each other. We've got to have each other. And those are actual, I mean, that's not made up. There's actual, Joseph Smith, the other guys. Joseph Smith's mom did that. She wanted to be by herself. She had done with all this organized religion. And so she gave birth to a massive cult. The Trinity is the source and model of oneness. This is such a big deal. We cannot become one by talking each other into it. Now, you guys got to go to Lauren and Zach's class because oneness is more than agreement on ideas. Now, that's part of it. We have to agree on reality. Right? Because when you live in reality, you kind of don't have a choice. You have to live in reality. Like, I want to fly so bad. But uh, it's just not, reality's never agreed with me. But it's the Trinity, God Himself, that is the source of our unity. That entering into the being of God. The, the loving union and the actual Holy Spirit who himself is the flame of love between Father and Son living in us is the power and substance of being able to love one another. Isn't that cool? But then we get a model of how to love one another. We just watch the Trinity. How Son is always deferring to the Father, always promoting. Have you ever noticed the Father's always way in the background? It's like, yeah, I know. Look at my Son. And the son's like, you should see my dad. He goes, no, I know. Look at my son. So, how does Jesus believe it? when we're one with each other? How are we one with each other? Being one with Father and Son. And how are we one with Father and Son? It's through the Holy Spirit and loving one another. So, let's stand together. So here's where it gets really, really practical. The first thing is, if, if, if you're saying, I, yeah, I've heard things about the Holy Spirit, I don't know, sounds weird. You're out of luck, dude. Your only shot at being able to fulfill Jesus' prayer, at being the image of God, is the Holy Spirit. It's your only shot. There are no other choices. This is the forgiveness of Jesus through his death and resurrection who forgives us of our sins and then raises us to life by putting the Holy Spirit in us. If you put your faith in Jesus and said, Jesus, you're, you're my boss, uh, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, if you haven't done that, today is the day to be unified with the one who made you, 
that you'll, your life will start to actually make sense. You won't like everything. You're still going to have problems. But you'll start to realize, I matter. I matter because I can be in the image of God on this earth. The very reason I was made is possible now. But there's others of, us, others of us, we've experienced the Holy Spirit, but we need to experience more of the Holy Spirit. I, I just, I want to have this open-hearted receptiveness to the Holy Spirit all the time. I just want the vulnerability of a heart that's saying, Holy Spirit, whatever you want. I want you, Holy Spirit. I think even the want to is from the Holy Spirit. But what we can do right now is invite the Lord just for a minute to receive the Holy Spirit even more deeply might look like for you just saying, Holy Spirit, come. I want more. It might be repenting, saying, man, Holy Spirit, I'm scared of you and I've, I've made you stay away. Or, Holy Spirit, I thought I was an expert on you. Oh, man, he's wild. He is God. We do not have a handle on nothing when we're talking about God. So let's just take a minute and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Nothing fancy. receive you Holy Spirit we receive you Holy Spirit we receive you we want you come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit oh we want to be near you I want you to be in us come Holy Spirit oh Come. Some of you got to start feeling some, some things. You don't have to, but some of you don't get freaked out. Because Holy Spirit, he's actually in our bodies and on our bodies, and you can feel when he does that sometimes. Come, Holy Spirit. We want more of you. We want to answer Jesus' prayer. We want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy you're experiencing something in the Holy Spirit, just stay there with him. The next thing I want you to do as we're in this process is ask the Lord about your love for others. And I'm not talking about a generalized sense, do I love the poor children of the world. Is there anybody we're holding something against? It's one of the biggest obstacles to experiencing the Holy Spirit. Is there anyone we need to forgive? Jesus said, here's how to pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And he goes so far as to say, if you're unwilling to forgive, he's holding out on that until we're willing to give the same we're being given. It's so serious and so good. Lord, is there anyone we need to forgive? 
Do we have any judgments, Lord, we're still holding on to against others? Some of you, the way you're going to experience the Holy Spirit is by, by will, choosing to forgive and choosing to love because the Spirit will come rushing into that to then give you what you need to be actually, actually to do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of us need to receive forgiveness. Maybe forgiveness from God. That's so, that's so fun and so easy. Lord, is there anything you need to forgive us for? Because he's so eager to forgive us. Oh, come on. Oh, some of, there is no sin too bad. Jesus has gone to the depths of hell, the worst abuse, the worst horrors, and has taken them on his own body. He will forgive you. Is there anyone we need to forgive? Or we need forgiveness from? There's somebody we may need to offer an apology to. Lord, will you show us? Is there anyone we need to make something right? We're not perfect. They're not completely wrong, and I'm not completely right. You can own what your part was. Lord, is there somebody there? Guys, this is so, so good. There has been insane spiritual warfare on this leading into today. This was so surprising. It's like, oh, that's because it's the thing Jesus most wants. The enemy doesn't want this stuff. Because what's at stake is the image of God on the earth. It's a big, big deal. But here's the great news. It's the Holy Spirit's presence who gives us the power that we want. It's not how persuasive we are. Doctrine is very important, but doctrine is not the Holy Spirit. Doctrine is descriptions of what God does. There's things we will be in agreement on because it's reality that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a lot of things. There's way fewer things we have to agree on ideologically than, than we cannot agree on. There's, did that make sense? It's actually not that complicated, but it requires the Holy Spirit. We don't have it. And then it requires our will. We've just got to do it. I found that times God doesn't show up till I act. Don't you hate that? It's back in my telemarketing days. We'd say, nothing good to get to, happens to you get on the phone. Just dial that phone, then something good will happen. Love, forgive, relinquish judgment. 
Holy Spirit will backfill it with his power, and he'll just be so excited. I've got a little puppy. I gave him a treat for everything. So I imagine I'm God's puppy. Like, I forgave. You know, (laughs) Taylor's wagon, you know. Uh, All right, Jesus, give us help to be the answer to your prayer. Amen. All right. Hey, guys, sign up for the conflict group. This is so important. This is the stuff that we're talking about.